Hey, what's going on? It is Monday here on ClabesOnline.com. It's lunch with Clabes and Joe, powered by Amherst, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, and sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne. Clabes, what's going on? All good. All good. Ready to get off to a roaring week. Had a great weekend of sports um, that was going on. You picked the sport. It was something fun about it. Well, almost. But um, it was a good week. I'm looking forward to this week. We uh, we have our picks for this week, Klaibs. I need uh, you need to resend me your email that has the uh, that has the picks on them, so I can <sighs> get your name on this list and we can figure out where you stand on it. Because as of right now, uh, with, with the picks that we had in, I'm I'm leading. I'm leading the pack once again. Well, I have we know climbed up from third back up to first Brian Hoffman with a terrible terrible week of uh of picks but the uh the games that we had college football much better this weekend than uh than the pros with it being championship weekend uh I was down in San Antonio this uh this weekend I I ran another half marathon down there on Sunday morning and uh didn't uh didn't pay too close attention to the NFL but was locked in just kind of bar hopping down the river walk on Saturday, catching as many of those games as I could that, uh, that day. All right. You ready for mine? Yeah. What, what, what did you, uh, what did you uh, I, email I had me? a terrible week, Oklahoma state, Bama, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, Iowa, Bengals, Raiders. You picked Iowa in that game. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. so you, I mean, you did. Yeah. We, uh, and then what were the two NFL games you picked? Bengals, Bengals and Raiders. Raiders. Yeah, that's not good. That's uh, that's gonna keep me right there in that top spot for the uh, for the week. Then we'll uh, we'll get to those here in just a uh, just a bit. But I so I walked into a uh, walked into a bar right as the final play of the Oklahoma State Baylor game was was happening. Like right as they were breaking the huddle and going into that final play. And I tell you what, we I'm looking and talking to people about this since then. I want to know what would have happened had Oklahoma State gotten those two extra inches and scored that touchdown on that last play. What would this final four have been that uh, that we're going to get if Oklahoma State would have ended up being a 12-1 and team? I don't think it would have changed much um, because Georgia, you know, was number one. And I mean, they got beat handily. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Alabama's the best team right now. Cincinnati was ahead of Oklahoma State before uh, Saturday. And uh, you had Michigan that was ahead of Oklahoma State. So they just would have been out of luck. That's – I I think – I mean, but they were the five – and they beat a Baylor team, a nine uh, the ninth-ranked Baylor team to get in the, to in that game if they would have won. This is, again, if they would have gotten that yeah. extra – those extra few inches and they would have scored. I I think Oklahoma would have been put in there I really think nah. that Georgia would have been left out. No, I don't think so. I don't think Oklahoma proved themselves enough. Uh, they they were a team that teetered on disaster almost every Saturday. Uh, Georgia had one hiccup, and so I, I think they would have stayed in there. And, you know, let's face it, SEC is a better brand of football, and I think that the voters considered that as well. And uh, but I'm glad it didn't come to that. Let's just put it that way. But it would have, you know, it would have been interesting. I I don't think there's any doubt. And again, it would have proven that we need to expand the playoffs. And and I get it. But 
you know, how much, you know, we, we had this argument every year. There's always going to be a team that felt slighted because they didn't get in. Uh, I, I think it goes back to scheduling. I think you have to have better schedule in some cases. I think Cincinnati was a team that wrote, ran the table in their conference. They had Notre Dame on schedule. I think, you know, had Notre Dame not been on the schedule, I'm not sure if we'd be talking about Cincinnati, even if they were undefeated. Although someone would have said we got to let them in because we want to make sure it's fair and equal. Winning that game at Notre Dame carried a lot of weight, and Notre Dame continuing on with the season they had after that loss also helped out Cincinnati a, a bunch too. But but you still saw the committee just refusing to move Cincinnati to give Cincinnati any kind of credit as far as where they ended up seating them because they they're undefeated. They are the only undefeated team in college football. And they're still saying, you know what? Yeah, you you barely got in. You, yeah, you, I think you, yeah. here's the deal, though. I think their strength of schedule was weaker than the other ones. And they, they, they don't play a tougher schedule in Georgia and Alabama because they're not in the SEC. The Big Ten is much is superior to, uh, to what conference they're in, Conference USA or whatever the hell they're in. And, you know, I, I think that was the difference. I just think that those other teams had played better competition. Is it a case, too, of the, the not wanting to have Alabama and Georgia play each other again in the semifinals? I, I think yeah. that, that too. I don't think I don't, I don't, the seeds don't mean shit. I, I think that's yeah. I, I, I think that if Michigan would have lost to Iowa, I think Cincinnati ends up being the two seed instead of the four seed. I think they move them up to two and then you put no. Georgia three just so you have two versus three. Because then, I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, all that matters is who the yeah, home team true. is and what color jersey they're, they're wearing. But I think that's what would have happened. So I think they sat down and they said, look, there's no way we can have Alabama and Georgia face each other in the semifinals. If they face each other in the finals, that's fine. But we can't have them in the semifinals. So you no, know what? Right. Just put Cincy at, yeah. And I mean, they, yeah, that, I mean, I think that's really what, and you could, you already had Michigan at number two, so you couldn't bump Michigan back. I think it was always going to be Cincinnati against whoever won that SEC game. And it just, it just deter, it depended on what Michigan did and, uh, and theirs. No, I think you, you're spot on. Um, I, you know, now the fun begins where these teams have a whole lot of time to prepare for each other. And then you got another separate staff that's breaking down film of the other teams that could get in it. You know, you're not only if you're Alabama, you're you're already preparing for Cincinnati, but you're also preparing for the, both Michigan and or uh, Georgia again. Uh, so you you know, and this is where these staffs really come into play. You know, you have tons of people standing around that just break down film, and because the digital method of how they do it now makes it a lot easier. I mean, so and you've got programs to say, dial up what they do in third and short, what do they do in third and long or second and two. You know, they have a scenario for everything. Yeah. And you can see what what their tendencies are. So I've always felt that when you get in a bowl situation, you have to put in a half a dozen to 10 plays that they haven't seen. Uh because you're going to use them at some stage of the game, be it third down, be it first down. Uh, and you got time to put it in. 
I mean, this is a situation we're preparing for next week. You have time to put in about 10 to 12 plays. Yeah, and uh, that's, you know, it's – I would have loved to see Cincinnati against Georgia just because I think we all know what's going to happen to Cincinnati against Alabama when you give Nick Saban three and a half weeks to to prep for an opponent. I, I think it's <laughs> I think that's going to be a bloodbath, and you know Cincinnati is going to get exposed, which you know I, I college football probably wants. I don't think that I think they want to see Cincinnati lose big so they could say up, oh, you see here, this is what happens when a conference yeah. USA team, when we put a conference USA team in there, they get, they get beat. So I think they want to see Alabama win big. And I think with Nick Saban getting three and a half weeks, I think you're going to see that exact scenario happen. And, and you know what though, on the other side of that coin, Luke Fickle's got some things he can do also. Now here, here's the thing about Cincinnati. They got a pair of corners that can press. You know, they 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 might go a little bit more man coverage and they might try and blitz a little bit more because they've got some corners who who are pretty good. Now, you might say, well, have they ever played against a Jamison Williams type player? Maybe not, but I think they're skilled individuals. And remember, Alabama's gonna be out be without one of their other receivers. Any other program, you say, ah, that's gonna be tough. But this is Alabama. They just dust another guy off the shelf and put him in, and the next thing you know, he's a Bolitnikov candidate for next year. You have uh, on the other side that Michigan-Georgia game, which is going to be talked about a lot less, but could – You really think so? I think it's going to be talked about a lot because you've got two story uh, programs that haven't played each other recently where it had any significant meaning. Uh, I think that game is going to get more hype than the Bama-Cincinnati game. I think the Bama versus an undefeated team is what's going to be the selling point of that one. I think that's where I, and I think, I think Kirby smart is going to be just kind of left out of the discussion here because everybody's going to want to talk about Jim Harbaugh and the job he did this year with that Michigan team on last year on the brink of getting fired. I mean, there Jim Harbaugh probably had to go in there and, and convince them to keep him around for one more year after, after the way Michigan played last year. And maybe if it wasn't a COVID season that he probably would have been let go, that might've saved him in the, uh, in the end there. So I think that Jim Harbaugh is going to get talked about a lot. I think that game, I don't, I don't, I just don't see it. Uh, see, I, I'm in a different direction on this one. I, I think that this game has legitimate importance for both programs. Uh, again, very successful programs. I don't think Harbaugh was as close to getting fired as you may feel. Uh, I think had he lost to Ohio State, he still would have had a job for next year. I mean, the guy moves the needle for the program. And, and here's the thing that I always remind people of. When you have a program, whether it's Michigan or Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia, and you get rid of a coach, who, who's going to come in there? Who was who a guy? It, it, with, the, with the money that, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, I, I just don't think it's as easy to replace guys at this level without instant results as you may think. I, I think when you go, you, you say we're firing Harbaugh, well, who do you have in place? Who's going to come in and coach this team up that we're going to pay eight, nine, ten million dollars to? I, I think that run 
of these guys who are up and comers uh, is it, something we may not see as much of as we used to with regard to teens making that investment. I think they want guys who are proven. I think they want guys who they think if they can add a little bit to it are going to make the program better. And, and I give you a good example. When you look at Oregon, you know, they thought they were doing something once they replaced Chip, Chip Kelly. Gone through a couple of guys. It didn't work. Miami's gone through multiple guys. And all of a sudden they knock on the door of Cristobal, who is a successful coach. And I think he's going to be the reason why, you know, you know, Miami might be back in the hunt, but I just don't think you can get guys with thin resumes. And even as I say that, Notre Dame did it with Marcus Freeman, who uh, is 35 and was a first-year defensive coordinator. You know, they, they tried it, but I think they had a little bit more of a support staff to go along with it. I don't think any of Kelly's coaches left with him to go to LSU. So they're rare situations, but I, I think it's not as easy to replace these guys as you may think, especially at that level. All right, I missed you there. Uh, got cut off there on my end. My uh, my internet uh, shut did, down. I on did me. a five minute monologue. Don't worry I, about I, it. I, I, I you know what? Uh, you're you're the you're the pro. You're the Hall of Famer here. I, I didn't think <laughs> that uh, dropping off here would have uh, would have affected you in any negative way. But uh, as uh, as I come in at the end of that, I, I hear you're talking about uh, the. Uh, the Brian Kelly move to uh, to LSU. So if I if I missed any part of that, I apologize. But is that I mean is that a step up in college football going from one going from Notre Dame to LSU? Yeah, it's the SEC. You know, we talked about this a little bit last week. You, you can't. You know, people expect Notre Dame to be the Lou Holtz, Jerome Bettis. Tim Brown guys, I mean, you know, the, the really good players of the 90s. It's not going to happen. And Notre Dame loves to use the excuse, well, you know, it's harder to get in here. Yeah, maybe it is. And if that's the case, then quit, quit griping. Go find somewhere else to play. You know, I, I just don't think Notre Dame, and when they've gotten into a situation where they've gotten in the playoffs, they've been embarrassed. So there's yep. a gap between what Notre Dame thinks they are to who they are. So I think Kelly probably figured this is as much as I can do here, plus when they wave 10 million bucks in front of you. And here's the other thing that comes into play here. I think that – I don't think the Notre Dame was that upset that Brian Kelly left. You know, He's not a good person in the eyes of a lot of people. Uh, you, you hear stories about him all the way back to Kent State uh, where he was not a good person to people. And I think that kind of – uh, mantra wears on on you for a while. He's been in Notre Dame over ten years, and maybe he's worn out his welcome there. If uh, if you were to take a job down in Louisiana, how quickly would you uh, develop a Southern accent? Well, when you're from Massachusetts, you're right. That see, I, that's the thing about Kelly. Kelly plays to whatever crowd. You know, if 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 Kelly was coaching at Yeshiva, he would probably go out and have a yarmulke. And, and, and be wearing one just to let them know I'm one of you guys, you know, I, I just, I'm not a big fan of how he does business, but I guess that's the way coaches recruit these days. You know, they, they get what's hot and they, they play to the crowd. So we'll see if it works in Louisiana. I mean, that that's a very talent loading state and, and all the surrounding areas uh, of the surrounding States. So, you know, he's going to be expected to compete right off the bat. Uh, yeah. He's not going to have much of a leeway. 
Uh, it's a very team friendly or I say coach friendly contract that he has. And that's something that I'm a little surprised at, uh, that they gave him everything. And he's basically there, you know, as long as he wants to be there. Yeah, we um, so uh, that move, and you talk about just the the situation there. Is he the, the stories that have come out of him? You know, at dinner at a recruit's house, taking the phone call, kind of accepting the job, going back in, finishing stuff like that. You, you just hear these stories. These, I, I don't know, unprofessional. I, I guess maybe the word. Well, I, I what about I, what he did to um, who's the guy up in Green Bay? Matt, uh, head LaFleur? coach. LaFleur and Robert Salah, who's a coach with the Jets, when they were grad assistants under him, he had them yeah. shoveling snow and parking car. You know, that's not how you treat people, man. And then, I mean, it goes not only are the coaches doing this to schools, the way the schools are treating some of these coaches down in Miami, the past uh, 48 hours or so has been an absolute mess for Manny Diaz as they sit there and they decide if they want to keep him while actively recruiting Cristobal out of Oregon. And and the end of it, I mean, man, giving Manny Diaz, you know, do you want to return? Do you want this? Do you want that? And then firing him. as They haven't even announced Cristobal as their head coach yet, but finally deciding to fire Manny Diaz. I mean, at some point, that's I mean, that's just such lack of respect for, well, for your current coach in place. Here's what I think you have to take into account. Maybe Manny Diaz said either shit or get off the pot. Either I'm your coach or I'm not. If I'm not, then let me go. Uh, you know, and by the way, you're gonna write out a check and how you handle this. So, you know, Diaz will end up with another job. I don't think there's any doubt. He is a good football coach. He just didn't work there. But he may have pushed the envelope and said, Hey, either fire me or keep me, but I'm not gonna sit here another day, you know, just waiting for you guys to make the ink dry on this other guy's contract. Yeah. And so he's out there. Oklahoma has kind of been jumping around a little bit as far as who they were going to uh, to hire. There were two names that have already been confirmed as their next head coach. Uh, but I haven't seen actual Oklahoma announce who their next head coach is. Have you? Well, I haven't seen it, but I know it's uh, Venables. He's going to be the coach now. Here's what I was. Well, Dan, I mean, and that's the thing. As of yesterday morning, Dan Lanning was announced as their next head coach, and now it's Venable. So, well, you know what? Uh, here's what's even more interesting. Having dinner with some friends the other night, I guess it was Friday night, and I'd heard it earlier today that they were talking to Dabo. They tried to make a run at Dabo. And Dabo kind of said, I don't know if I'm ready to go, but I got another guy you might want to talk to. You know, because, you know, he felt Venables was ready to be a head coach. But so they really kind of went down there kicking the tires on one person. Uh, and it's going to be somebody else that they ended up with. And Venables is a very good coach. I think he'll do a nice job at, at Oklahoma. But, you know, th this whole process has changed. Do you know with all the coaches that are put out of work, there's $94 million in payoff? Yeah. 16 coaches. <laughs> So that just tells you how much money's out there in this college game that we have. That doesn't even include some of the other ridiculous stuff that's in some of these contracts. Like the Lincoln Riley contract in USC, they're, you know, they're they're paying off the house that he was trying to sell and they're buying the house that he was building in Oklahoma. 
And then also giving him money to buy a new place out in LA and in Southern California. And then on top of that, you know, the car money that he gets, I think it's what a thousand dollars a month in a, uh, in a car allowance that he, that he has there for whatever he wants to drive. And then so many uses or so many miles or hours on a private jet. It's just the money that's thrown out there is so much higher than what we're seeing in just the contracts alone. And they don't want to pay players. Give me right. a break. <laughs> hey, speaking of paying players, uh, before we get into the Mizzou Bowl game, one of the big NIL winners at the beginning of the season, and we're also talking Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler. Uh, rumors of Spencer Rattler possibly being on Mizzou's radar for next season as he is in the transfer portal right now. Okay. <clears throat> this, this, this situation is... <clears throat> This situation with Missouri and his quarterback thing is kind of getting out of hand. So you make a big deal on the kid from East St. Louis and the kid from Chaminade. Then you go out and get one of the top guys in the country in Horn from Georgia. Now you want to go after Spencer Rattler. And to me, I think if there was one flaw in Eli Drinkwitz's offensive game plan was he stayed with a guy too long in Basilac who – Maybe if he's healthy, a little bit better line, maybe he'd have been a better passer. I don't know. But I think that there are guys that should be better than him within the program. Now you bring in Rattler. If you bring in Rattler, then you are definitely acknowledging that one, if not two of the quarterbacks that are still on your roster won't be back because they'll they'll feel betrayed. So I think you got to be real careful here before you start bringing in people. And, you know, Rattler did not have a good year when he was at Oklahoma. Uh, for a lot of different reasons. I know he was highly thought of coming out of high school, but I, I think that in this situation, you might have to take a pass and, and try and develop a guy. I think if you develop a guy, that's a different story completely. Well, the next Mizzou football game will be December 22nd. It's the Armed Forces Bowl. They'll be taking on Army in a uh, in a game that the SEC told Mizzou, hey, this is you, you guys qualified for a bowl. This is the bowl you're going to. And a little bit of pushback from the school, according to Dave Matter and others, about the uh, the fact that that bowl game is the exact same time as the bragging rights game here in St. Louis between Mizzou and Illinois in basketball. I got to be honest with you. Um, if you're a fan of Mizzou basketball and you're upset that you have to choose between football and basketball on uh, you got on a night issues. in December, you, you got some you got real big problems. They should be ha- Mizzou should be happy. They should be thrilled that people are going to maybe not watch the bragging rights game and instead watch the bowl game. I would encourage well, people. I would say, hey, you know what? Hey, why don't you travel down? Why don't you take a vacation and go down there to that game? Now, the bra- bragging rights, it's canceled this year. Now, we're, we're not going to play it. You know what's funny about that? Uh, Howard Richardson and I, we were supposed to go to that game. We had some really good seats. We were going to do dinner the whole nine yards. And then when it, when the word got out yesterday, hey, you know, Missouri might be in this, this Army Bowl. And then we started looking at the calendar and said, oops. You know, and I was like not upset if I didn't have to go watch Missouri because they're disappointing uh, in a lot of different ways right now. So, yeah, you know, I think they catch a break by not getting overexposed. I got a I got a big Illini fan that uh, would be interested in taking those tickets from you if uh, <laughs> for that game on the they're on uh, the Missouri side, so I don't know if the Illini <laughs> fans are a lot on that side. How many how many people in black and gold do you think are showing up to that game this year? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I don't. Did local. you see the 
I did you see the latest RPI rankings? Were they 150? Uh uh-uh. uh, they. Uh, I'm gonna bring this up here because I saw Dave Matter tweeting about it earlier. It is uh, it is not good at uh, at all right now. Mizzou, uh, let me find it here. Out. Uh, this is the NCAA net rankings. So this is out of 300 and is it 358 teams? Somewhere in that vicinity. They uh, Mizzou is 278th. They are the lowest on a winning streak, huh? They are the lowest ranked team among high major conferences. Next worst team on that list is Pittsburgh at 256. Well, this is going to be an interesting year. But, you know, this is what happens when you try and get healthy quickly with a bunch of transfers. You know, remember, guys who transfer, transfer for a couple of reasons. Either they were bad guys in a bad situation or they were guys who wanted to play and didn't feel like they had a future there. And I don't know what Conzo Martin has, but it's not working. Uh, The non-conference schedule was an embarrassment to begin with, and then the results that came with it just doesn't help the cause at all. And I don't know how you fix it. And, uh, you know, do you, you know, you have people who want to replace them. Well, I don't know who's out there. You know, this wasn't an attractive job, and it isn't an attractive job. Um, and I don't know what you're going to do between now and the end of the season to fix that. The name that's going to be out there that people are that, – that Mizzou fans are going to want is going to be Kim English. Well, what's he doing? He's lost five in a row or four in a row. I, and this, this is a guy I, who I, hasn't – he hasn't coached enough to be in a right. position to take this job. Is that going to matter, though, to fans, to boosters, when you have a former star player like Kim English who's out there? Well, let me ask you something. Are you going to watch him because he used to play there? Do people go out to see guys who don't play anymore and coach? At the beginning, I think people would show up just to see their their former true son out there on the sidelines. Didn't they do that already with Kim Anderson? They did. Okay. Does it, does it, is it different? Out. Is it different though that Kim English was a lot younger? I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I, I think, and I think this has always been a Mizzou problem, and to an extent, St. Louis U. You know, if we don't get the local guy, we have no chance. We got to give the local guy a chance, and you know, maybe there's some credibility to that. I just haven't seen it because the results haven't proven that. I mean, the last local guy who went to Missouri that did anything was Norm. And he didn't get to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at football, you have to go back to what, Warren Powers? You know, uh, a Mizzou guy? I mean, well, I'm not a Mizzou guy, but my point being, you know, you want the local guy to have a shot. And, you know, it just, that, that doesn't always work. And, and especially in this day and age, because I think, there are going to be some interesting coaching candidates that will be out there if you decide to make a move. Uh, speaking of SLU, they uh, they lose over the weekend to UAB. Uh, Their next game is tomorrow against Belmont. Uh, their upcoming schedule Belmont, Boston College, Auburn, and Drake. So they are home for their next four games at uh, over the uh, – or the, yeah – no, I'm sorry. The The game against Drake is a uh, neutral site game. So they're home for the next three games here before the uh, before the year lets out. 
Well, I went Saturday night, and I had a good feeling initially. But, man, you know, uh, slew, there, there, you know, there was just too many things that went wrong. Yuri Collins dribbles too much. Gibson Jimerson doesn't offer you anything. If he can't shoot from the perimeter, he had his shots. He didn't make them. He doesn't guard. You're rebounding. They got pounded on the boards. Uh, and it all kind of disintegrated in the last five to eight minutes of the game. They were in pretty good shape. They played well. They got some good scoring off the bench. But, man, uh, when 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 UAB turned up the heat, SLU didn't have an answer. And yeah, I, I'll tell you something. Um... These next these next conference non conference games, they're gonna have a t- tough time winning any one of the three. I really do. these are the I games. Have a tough time. I, I know there's the you know, the bracket buster weekend and those games later in the season, but right now for a team like SLU, seven and two on the year, these are games they need to win in yeah, order absolutely. to in order to build that resume before they head into uh before they head into conference games before they head into the Atlantic 10 conference games so I agree it, yeah uh by the way I, I do want to point out western illinois won back to back games this uh this weekend claves i've started looking at where all Who the first round beat? games are um uh, they um uh, let me bring it up i know they beat central michigan yesterday and uh, they uh, who did they knock off the uh, the day before? They went back to back. They beat Central Michigan ninety seven to seventy on Sunday, and on Saturday they beat Tennessee Martin eighty one to sixty four. So they they too they're just building that resume to hopefully get into that fifteen fourteen seed range and avoid a game in Dayton, Ohio for the uh, the first four. That's that's where my mindset is. <laughs> You know what my mind all those, said? All those Illini fans and SLU fans out there wondering if their uh, their teams could get a, like a 10-11 seed and where they could fall into the tournament. I'm sitting here hoping my school can avoid that Dayton, Ohio first four game. That's what I'm hoping for. I, I've relegated myself to following Incarnate Word basketball. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, they played two games and they've given up less than 30 points in two games. Is that? F- Think I mean, about what I just said. They wait, beat somebody by. They beat Villa Duchesne they, by eighty-one points the other night. Jesus, God. Yeah, <laughs> that, they the same night that uh, the Grizzlies won by seventy-three, Incarnate won by eighty-one. That's uh, you're bringing freshmen out of the stands who are just there watching the game, and you're saying, "Hey, go go down and suit up. You're you're going to play the fourth quarter." Day. That's what it comes down to. That's how good they God. are. God. Uh, a lot of college talk here. If you're looking for more SLU talk, uh, Bob Ramsey and Matt Rocchio every Tuesday and Thursday with the two-man game. They will be uh, they'll be bringing you that tomorrow and later on this week as they will cover the entire SLU schedule. They'll be looking at that UAB game too. Matt Rocchio, he's watching film on these uh, on these games to break it down with uh, with Rammer, who's got a front row seat for every single Billikens game. So if you are a fan of Billikens basketball or just basketball in general, make sure to check out two-man game right here on ClabesOnline.com. We will take a break when we come back. Uh, big news out of the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Also, we will uh, we get to get to uh, we haven't talked uh do that and show you the standings and our picks right here on uh, lunch with claves and joe powered by amarin illinois driven by munganas st louis sponsored by ryan kelly the home loan expert
At St. Louis Acura and Alden Toyota, we are proud of our dedication to service, and we continue to serve our community. From now until December 12th, bring a new unwrapped toy from Marine Corps Reserve, Toys for Tots, to support 323 Marines, who in 2020 collected toys for over 78,000 children. Drop off at either St. Louis Acura or Alden Toyota. St. Louis Acura and Alden Toyota, becoming better than ever for you. Back here, it's Lunch with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. Hey, this past weekend, I had Howard Balzer on my show. We talked a little NFL uh, through Week 12 and also talked about the St. Louis and uh, the uh, the Rams lawsuit that was settled right before Thanksgiving. So you can go check that out over at the uh, on the Weekend Joe page in the, uh, in the podcast. And also go to YouTube and you can see my interview with Howard Balzer there if you want the uh, the video side of things. So week 13 in the books. Biggest story from week 13, Claves, the Lions finally win a uh, win a game. And they did it at a, on a buzzer beater uh, touchdown as time expired. So the Lions get their first win. We will have no, well, I guess they, they had already tied a game this year. So they will not be 0-16-1 and after, uh, as the season ends. They'll be in a good position to have a very good player out of college again. And, and congratulations to Brad Holmes, who who started his football, his pro football career here in St. Louis with the Rams. He worked in the PR department and uh, then moved over on the operations side and went out to L.A. with the Rams and uh, has done a nice job in developing some people out there. And now he's a general manager of Detroit. So I'm happy for him. Uh, but they got a lot of work to do. But they play hard. Let me ask you this question. I, I, I talked to Frank this morning. I asked him this question. Who's the worst team in the NFL right now? I mean, we always talk about the best. Who's the worst team right now that just you see no 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 future? So it's I, it's between the it's between Jacksonville and it's between the Lions. Well, and now remember, I said no future. I think most people think they have a future because at least they have a quarterback. Jacksonville? Yeah. What is there? What has Trevor Lawrence done this year? Well, again, I think his potential gives him a better chance than what you see with some other teams. Um, and, and I look at the, this whole Jets first round pick. This isn't working. Fields is hurt, but I think he's got some people around him that aren't very good. And I'll start with the coaching staff. Then you have Detroit, as you just mentioned. Um, the Giants are, are really challenging for this role as well. Uh, there, there's some teams out there that just have – they don't seem like they have a, a, a direction that's taking them in a good spot. I'll tell you one team that keeps shooting themselves in the foot are the Eagles. Are the Bengals? They, they, oh, okay. No, the Eagles. Just because they keep winning games when they have three first-round picks right now uh, going into this year. So they keep winning – and they're just hurting one of those first three picks. They're, they're not going anywhere. And they're six and seven. They're not going to make the playoffs. Well, but they, let they, me ask you this. You got three picks. Do you want to use them all? Or do you want to trade one to get more picks or get a player that can help you right off the hop or get a couple of players that can help you off the hop? Because you got to remember something. You got a cap issue you got to be careful of here, too. So, yeah, you'd want those three picks then to keep those guys under the cap, right? No. I, I, what I'm saying is. If there is a, what do you think their biggest need is right now? The Eagles' biggest yeah. need. I mean, I, 
I'm going to probably, I mean, that offensive line for them is probably getting a little old. So okay. they're going to want to, they're going to want to upgrade that. So, so you're saying, you go, you're going to say and address that in free agency or trades? Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, and, and you can take one of those picks and trade for two. And that way you get yourself some extra players and you make a free agent signing uh, that helps you in the offensive line. I mean, I, I think the Eagles are in a great position. So a draft spot, remember, they've got somebody else's pick. So I think the key is what are those other teams doing as far as the draft is concerned, where their standings are. So you tell me who you think the uh, the worst team in the NFL is. <sighs> I think it's the Bears. I, I just don't see, I watched them for a while yesterday, and they just seen – and granted, they don't have fields. <clears throat> Their running game is 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 mediocre. The passing game is even worse. Your offensive line can't do anything. Your defense is beat up. But I just don't see where they're improving offensively. Uh, Are Matt Nagy has not done it much to impress me. So, but when we say this, so when you asked me worst team, I I went Lions and Jacksonville, who both have questionable head coaches. And I think as far as the quarterback, well, you have first year head coaches in both those guys too. You do, you do. But, and in both cases, I I think it should probably both be one and done, but I think the lions quarterback situation is a lot more questionable than Jacksonville. I, you do give Trevor Lawrence another year or two to figure it out. But in the bears case, is that more front office and coaching than it is the players on the field? Because Justin I think it's Fields, a combination. Justin Fields has, I mean, he's been toyed with this year from the beginning of the year going with Andy Dalton over him. Then you put him in there and he gets hurt and Montgomery being hurt for a while. I couldn't tell you one wide receiver that the Bears have. So I don't know who Justin Fields is throwing that football to yeah. this year, but they do have good players on defense. But it seems like every move, I mean, Matt Nagy, has proven he's not a good head coach and Ryan Pace is not a good GM at all. Yeah. That's why I I just think now these days with the lack of patience that we show with assistant coaches, uh, we saw offensive coordinator get fired yesterday. I think that the, the the people who do the hiring be at the GMs probably need to be held more accountable than what they used to be. Uh, you know, you start firing you, – you if you don't get it right after your second head coach, you don't get a chance to make a third choice. Right. So I, I'm, I, not, 100%, I'm not yeah. sold on that. So – yeah. uh, but, but I don't want to take away from this, though. I thought – and you touched on the Detroit game. I thought the endings of games we had with uh, San Francisco, uh, the Seattle game last night, and there were some other thrillers – uh, down the stretch, Pittsburgh. Uh, th- those are the games that I thought were fun. And I know some people were questioning uh, Harbaugh's decision to go for it too. And he said, hey, look, I'm out of cornerbacks. I don't have any cornerbacks. If we go in overtime, it'll be over in, in two plays. Uh, but I love those guys who have that sort of job security where they can pull that off. Uh, and those are the things that makes the NFL fun compared to the college game, which has been terrific this year uh, in a lot of different levels. Not as consistent as I, I thought it would be because I don't think the teams are as good, but at least they're all the same. 
Tonight, we have probably the best Monday night football game of the uh, season, most anticipated Monday night football game of the uh, of the season, as it's the Bills against the Patriots. And not only do we have that game tonight, we also get the Manning cast uh, on the uh, uh, as well. Who do we have uh, as far as their guest tonight? Only person they have announced so far is David Letterman. Hmm. Okay. I'm trying to get the weather on what's going to look like in Buffalo tonight. So give me a second here. It is going to be windy. That's all it says here. Well, it's always windy in Buffalo. Yeah, that's that's all all my app says. It gives no temperature. It just says windy. Well, the weather's going to be in the mid-30s. And as you mentioned, the wind's supposed to be as much as 27 to 28 miles per hour. I don't know if you've ever been in that stadium before, but it's always it's kind of like before. Well, you haven't missed much. I'll just tell you that now. They got a nice little <laughs> restaurant right there. I can Niagara get wings. Falls. I can get wings down the street from me uh, here in Belleville. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I need to go to Buffalo for that. No, they don't have a lot going for it. But um, the the thing is, it's kind of like Arrowhead, where the wind's always swirling, mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's a kicker's nightmare. But they'll get a good crowd. I give them credit for that. They want a new stadium, and they probably need a new one. Uh, how they're going to build it, who knows? But uh, yeah, you're right. You said maybe the best matchup we've had so far this year. That yeah. So they, I don't know if they're planning on having Letterman on for a long time because that is the only thing that they have promoted so far is uh, is David Letterman. So well, that's probably uh, somebody that they confirm way out, and yeah. probably want to have the other ones as a surprise, and maybe. And I don't know how they book that thing. But they probably might want to have some current event people or something that someone is close by that's involved in the game today. So we'll see. I mean, if you're doing, yeah, Bills, Patriots, uh, they've already had Julian Edelman on. They've, I don't know what Patriots they uh, they would go to that have a relationship. I do enjoy uh, watching that. I mean, just the ins and the outs of it. But whenever they have a former Patriot on, and they've had a lot of them this year. They, they've had Brady. They've had Gronkowski. They have Edelman. Eli Manning just enjoys the hell out of himself when he has a former Patriot on because it's a good chance that that former Patriot was beaten in the Super Bowl by Eli Manning. <laughs> and Eli knows that and loves to bring it up. So just watching him do that as, you know, then Peyton had legendary battles with the Patriots his entire career with both the Broncos and the Colts. And it was, you know, win loss back and forth. But Eli just had those two wins against the Patriots in the game that mattered the most. And you can tell that he really, really loves bringing it up to them, no matter what the circumstance is. You know, I'll mean, I, I tell you who would be a good guess is Nick Saban. Does Nick Saban do that while, I mean, does Nick Saban take 30 minutes out of his prep work for Cincinnati to go on that? He it's the best recruiting vehicle he could have. Remember, he's recruiting their nephew. Remember, yeah. he's got the national stage to himself. He knows Belichick as well as anybody. His quarterback, Mac Jones, is there. Uh, and if it wasn't for uh, Saban, Mac Jones would have never been drafted by Buffalo. I mean, by New England. So I, I think you could do that. Uh, on the other side of the coin. Uh, who you could have on from Buffalo, that would be interesting. You know, obviously the obvious choice would be Jim Kelly. Uh, I don't know what his health is like at this yeah. point. 
But, uh, you know, they'll come up with something that'll keep uh, keep us interested. You know what? Here you go. Here's one. Drew Bledsoe. Not a bad call. Yeah. That w- former Patriot, former Bill quarterback. Uh, the three of them sitting there talking quarterback uh, play with two young quarterbacks on the TV for an entire quarter. That would be a really good one for uh, for tonight. Well, he's making a small fortune in the wine business these days. So he... You can get him to put a glass down. Maybe you can get him on. <laughs> uh, he's doing really well in the wine business. It, I, I, I had no idea. Better than uh, better than Vermeil. Light years better than Vermeil. <laughs> um, hey, so that's on. Uh, that's on tonight. Here you go. Here's our standings right now for the uh, for the picks. As I had a, a very good weekend of uh, of games, I was the only person that picked the uh, that picked the Chargers to beat the Bengals this, uh, this weekend. So I got my, uh, one of my points there. Um, I also went with Baylor and Cincinnati and I, I got the Washington football team pick, right? So I went five and two or five or four and two in my picks this weekend to move ahead, uh, on the, uh, on the standings there as claims, you have now fallen back into a, uh, what is that? A four-way tie for third place, four-way tie. Look at Andy Hanselman just climbing up into uh into third place there on the uh on the standings and then apparently I, we, Ben is playing for next year's draft. I was gonna say Ben Ben's been out of the country and I don't know if he uh he's even knows what games he's picking. He it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, it's uh, they we're about to just take him off the list uh <laughs> there with uh with the picks that he's been so putting you gonna out do there, him so. like they do the guy they when you're in <laughs> double jeopardy and you're in the red. <laughs> They don't let you come out of the final jeopardy. <laughs> it's it's getting to be that point as uh, we'll have to figure out what to do in bowl season with the uh, with some of the games coming up over the uh, over the next few weeks. Hey, final uh, final break here. When we come back, we will get to that uh, Hall of Fame baseball Hall of Fame talk. I know uh, you'll have a lot to say about that here on Lunch with Claves and Joe, powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, and sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert. Every day, Ameren, Illinois works to deliver reliable energy throughout the state to on-the-go families, in-the-know grandparents, and busy students. But did you know we also have ways to manage your energy? Paperless billing, outage notifications, pick a due date, auto pay, and so much more. So no matter who you are or how you use your energy, there's an option that's right for you. Learn more at AmerenIllinois.com options. Uh, so Major League Baseball, or I, I should say the Baseball Hall of Fame, announced yesterday uh, the new candidates for the new inductees for 2022. This is before the uh, the media votes come in here in a uh, in a few weeks, but it is uh, going to be Gil Hodges, Jim Cat, Minnie Minoso, Tony Oliva, and Buck O'Neill, all newest members of baseball's. Hall of Fame. Uh, Klabe's uh, favorite of yours, Dick Allen, has uh, was missed by just one vote. Yeah, uh, he and Kenny Boyer, two guys that I'm hoping to see go in. But I got no beef with the ones who went in. Uh, I didn't see many Minoso play. I've heard a lot of great things about him. Tony Oliva played in the American League, where we just didn't see a lot of them, especially because he was in Minnesota. But everyone who saw more of him than I did told me that he could play with anybody. So kudos to him. And as far as Buck O'Neill's concerned, uh, knowing him uh, and just all, and you know, most people already thought he was in. 
I was uh, I was I was shocked when I saw his yeah. name on the list. I, he, I he was believe such an advocate for so many other Negro League players, but he forgot himself. Uh, a wonderful man, just an incredible ambassador. Uh, and I know his family's got to be tickled pink, and all the folks over in Kansas City, uh, I know, are ecstatic by him going in. They had a little gathering at the Hall of Fame there last night uh, when the announcement was made, and I know there are a lot of people. Uh, including my good buddy Bob Hendrick, who's uh, been a big advocate for Buck, and and I'm glad he's going in. I mean, yeah, if you if you were ever around him, you just say, man, you know, we had more people like this in the world, we wouldn't have the issues we have in the world. And when you think about everything he's done in baseball, uh, incredible scout. He signed three Hall of Famers in Billy Williams, Lee Smith, and Bruce Souter. Oh, wait a minute. Was it? Oh, wait. It was Williams, Smith. Maybe it's Ferguson Jenkins. Maybe it's Ferguson Jenkins. But anyway, he's got three Hall of Famers that he signed as a scout. Uh, but just as a person, man, you would not meet a better person. Impeccably dressed all the time. He had hands the size of this this computer screen. I mean, just just a massive guy. But a wonderful person, and um, I, I couldn't be happier for him. So that's uh, what, have, as you've seen some of the other votes coming in mm-hmm. for the uh, the baseball writers for that class. I know we find that out in in January. Uh, have you looked at it? Have you followed that at all to kind of see what Roland's Scott Roland's chances are of making? Yeah, I it? think Roland's chances are pretty good. Um, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, I, I'm an Andrew Jones guy. I think he should be in. Uh, there's some other guy, Omar Vizquel should be in. And then after that, you you deal with the the juicers or the alleged juicers and the guys who had their issues with the game. Uh, that that group, and I believe what three of them come off after this year, which is yeah. fine with me, uh, because I wouldn't have voted for them anyway. So it, it's not what I call a deep class, but there are some some quality candidates out there. I, uh, I meant to bring this up earlier as we, uh, we wind down the show today. Um, the slew soccer, when we were talking slew basketball, I wanted to bring up the slew soccer team as they lose to Washington in the quarterfinals this past weekend uh, game uh, that people had issues streaming the game uh, through Washington's website. And then when they finally were able to stream the game and see the field there, I don't know if there's many local high schools that would have uh, been willing to play a game on a field that looked as terrible as that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and you know, I, I really blame the NCAA for not making this game available on their site instead of leaving it up to a university. And I'm sure the folks of Washington were doing the best they could, but the NCAA, with all of its TV connections, should have made that game available on one of their outlets. Uh, the field conditions, you remember, this is Seattle, where it's going to be a little damp. But, man, that, that, you know, and I'm not saying that was a reason why SLU lost. It just didn't have a good look from where we sat. And uh, Seattle or Washington took advantage of it. Good for them. Good luck to them in the next round. As far as St. Louis U is concerned, they, they gave us everything we'd hoped for this year. And they got a lot of guys coming back. And now they've had a taste of it, and they'll get some help. They'll even be more interesting to watch. 
So uh, yeah, that was I want. I meant to bring that up earlier. I apologize to the uh, to the slew fans uh, out there for for making it seem like we just waited till the very end to uh, to bring it up. Klabes next week, next Monday, we will be out at Munganass Alton Toyota. The uh, the last time that we will be out at Munganass here in 2021. Uh, I will also be giving away two uh, two tickets to the WWE Royal Rumble out there at Munganass next week. We will post those details on our social media pages and let you know how you can win a, uh, a pair of tickets to the Royal Rumble. Uh, unfortunately, Klaibs, you will be out of town when the Royal Rumble is here in town on January 29th at the, uh, at the Dome. But uh, we, because I know there are a few people I'm going with to that that we're really looking forward to you possibly joining us. But you'll already be down in Florida. I will uh, unfortunately be. I think I'm on a cruise then. Probably, yeah. I think that's when that. Yeah, maybe I'll you know get try and stream it while I'm on the cruise. What do you think? That's it. It will be available on Peacock, and you'll be able to uh, to do I that. Have Peacock. I have yeah, Peacock. and then uh, on top of that, it was just announced this uh, this past weekend to Klaibs, and I'm going to get the uh, the live read. I'm going to get the script so you can do a live read for this next week from our good friend Dave Green, who is uh, working with Conrad Thompson and his podcast Empire right now. But Conrad Thompson is going to be bringing a live podcast with Jeff Jarrett, and Eric Bischoff to the South Broadway Athletic Club. I imagine by the time we do this show next Monday, those tickets will be sold out. But I'm still having Dave Green send a script over for you to uh, do. A I'd be live more than happy that. to do it. I'll be yeah. more than happy to do it. Dave so, Green's my guy, and uh, you know the wrestling thing. I, I, I think the wrestling it, it's it's so it, it's so traditional where every generation has their favorites. And then when they grow out of it, they just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, ah, he wasn't as good as Dick the Bruiser. He wasn't this. So, you know, it just goes in cycles. But you know what? It, it doesn't go away. They just find new fans. And I do. I've had I've had somebody reach out to me and they say they want you to interview Eric Bischoff before they come into town for this, just to talk about the business aspect of wrestling. I love to do that, it. They think that that would be a, a very fascinating conversation to hear you and uh, uh, you and him talk I'm, about that. I'm, so, I'm in. <laughs> I will set. I will uh, work on setting that up for uh, for you, for all of us here at ClabesOnline.com. What do you have uh, lined up for this week? Well, I'm going to see some NBA this week. Uh, Lakers, Denver. I'm sorry, Dallas and and Lakers in Memphis uh, for a couple of games, and oh. uh, I'm going to do that. And uh, we've got Gary Pinkle with Huddle Up with Howard. Yeah, remind everybody about that. That that was a fun visit that we had with him. And um, Alex Ferrario will visit with on Wednesday after the Blues play tomorrow night and get his thoughts on where the Blues are headed. Man, what a tough and awkward season they're dealing with, with injury, COVID, roster situations, cap hits. I mean, you know, it's been tough. They've been able to manage, and then they just find a way not to be able to hold on late, and that's that's something that drives any coach crazy. Yeah, so uh, you and Alex should have a lot to talk about with uh, with your show coming up this week. Also, as you mentioned, the NBA two man game this week, Tuesday and Friday. They uh, they do it twice a week here on Klabes Online. Uh, Klabes, we will talk to you next Monday. We will be out at Munganass Alton Toyota. We'll see Jamie 
out there as uh, for one more show out there here in 2021. For Mike Claiborne, I am Joe Roderick. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon as this has been another episode of Lunch with Claibs and Joe, powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganash St. Louis Acura, and sponsored by this man. It's Ryan Kelly. You know the only thing faster than this supersonic golf cart are the closing times at thehomeloanexpert.com. Mortgage rates on the twos, and we have a 21-day closing guarantee. Apply online today at thehomeloanexpert.com.